Welcome everyone. I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana, and we're here for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home. My guest today is Dan Ferris. Dan, thank you. thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I think it's amazing what you guys are doing, and I was so happy uh, to get a call from you. Thank you. Well, um, I'm excited. I, I, uh, uh, I think I have some good questions for you. I'm excited where this goes. So let's start here today. You once said, some children are dealt a rough hand, but with some support and guidance, they're fully capable of discovering and achieving their dreams and ambitions. You grew up in the Lakeside Allendale neighborhood for those out there who don't really know what you mean when you say some children are dealt a rough hand or who have a hard time understanding what life looks like for a number of families in those neighborhoods, let's talk a second about that. What would you say that many of us take for granted or are maybe unaware of when it comes to life for many in Lakeside and Allendale? I think that many people don't understand the negative consequences of being brought up in a broken home, right? Or being raised in a home where is there where there is extreme poverty. Right? I saw this great quote from a movie that once said that poverty is like a disease. It affects everyone and everything that you know. And that's so true. There's a link between poverty and chaos. In my opinion, God did not make us to thrive in the state of chaos. We need structure. We need stability. Where when you're born into a broken home where mom and dad is, you know, barely trying to make ends meet, it's hard to feel a sense of structure and a sense of stability. Uh, me, I was actually raised in a home with my grandparents. I was not raised by my mother. I was not raised by my father. My story, my background is non-unique as to the people in the neighborhood that I grew up in. A lot of us were raised by our grandparents. A lot of us were raised just by our mothers even. Dad was not in the home. Um, and w when you don't have that, you just, it's, it's hard. It's hard from a financial standpoint. We know for a fact that kids that are raised in a home where there's mom and dad, they have more positive outcomes, right? The evidence is overwhelming. So the counter end of that, when you don't have that, you just, you're, you're dealt with a lot of obstacles um, in your way. And Jeff, please feel free to stop me. If not, I'll, I'll just ramble on and on. I could, I could talk about this issue all day. So. My background, what was frustrating is that I went to school and the kids in my neighborhood, some of these kids were so smart, so creative, but when they went home, it, it was chaos. It was utter chaos. And as they got older, that chaos sort of, you know, seeped into their very souls Right, and they, in turn, can sort of pass that chaos on to their friends, to their families, to their kids. Like I said, poverty is like a disease. Chaos is like a disease. Um, 
So how do we fix that? Uh, I, I think you know more brilliant people than me have considered how to you know solve the issue. Um, so anyhow, to kind of conclude, we know for a fact that poverty leads to chaos, and God did not make us to thrive in a state of chaos. And a lot of kids that are born in lower income neighborhoods, like Allendale, like Lakeside, like City Grove, we know these neighborhoods in this city, um, it's, it's, it's hard for them to sort of overcome that. You're, you're a successful attorney, highly involved in the community, uh, serving as the former president of the Providence House Board and on the Volunteers of America Lighthouse Advisory Council. You also volunteer with Junior Achievement and participated in Lano's Community Leaders Program, which began as a means to transform nonprofit board service through diversity. All that to say you're highly involved and have thrived where maybe a number of your childhood peers from Lakeside and Allendale have not achieved the same level of success. What do you attribute your success to? That's a great question. Uh, God, <laughs> uh, first and foremost, God. I think that at a very early age, I sort of, for some reason, realized the predicament that I was sort of, you know, placed into, and I told myself that I I wanted better for my family. You know, I, I wanted better for my friends. I wanted better for my community. One thing that really helped me to sort of achieve that perspective was when I went to high school, I had a chance to go to Loyola College Prep for high school. My grandparents could not afford to send me to this wonderful high school. Uh, my grandmother was so charming that she was able to convince the kind folks at Loyola to give me a full scholarship to Loyola. And <laughs> going there, being around these kids, uh, these kids that came from different backgrounds to me, these kids who were the children of doctors, lawyers, business people, their perspective was, I've tried to explain this before. In the neighborhood that I grew up in, in the family that I grew up in, the idea of going to college or achieving a high level of success, you know, financial success, career success, it was this sort of, you know, like far, far out there goal, right? It's like it's like going to the NBA, it's like going to the NFL, it was really, really far out there. <laughs> when I went to Loyola, it was a matter of fact that they were going to be successful. It was a matter of fact that they were going to college. It was a matter of fact that they were going to grad school or going to law school or going to medical school. It was accepted as a truth. The community that I grew up in, it was not accepted as a truth. So when you're around people where it's just, oh, of course we're gonna be great. Of course we're gonna you know, do these amazing things. Energy is contagious, right? And that energy, that perspective, I'm getting too worked up here, I need to calm down. <laughs> that, that energy was contagious. That perspective was contagious. It, it infected me. And when I went back,
when I went back to my family and my community, a lot of people didn't have that perspective. A lot of people didn't have the energy. And I guess I wanted that for myself. I, I wanted that for my family. Um, my grandmother, you know, bless her heart, she she was born in 1938. She passed away a couple years ago. And the high school that she actually graduated from, it had the word Negro on, on her diploma, right? Nanny never went to college. Nanny was not really educated, but she uh, understood the importance of being educated and she always encouraged me to, even, even though she couldn't properly articulate it, you know, what she knew that I, Daniel, you, you can do this. You know, you, you can do anything. And I think her support, her encouragement was a big part of my success. Um, and um, yeah, she really, she really helped me a lot. And to sort of conclude, I guess, to bring it back around, how is it that I was able to achieve some level of success? How is it I was able to overcome all these obstacles? I, I just wanted more for myself. I wanted more for my family. I wanted more for my community. And I knew I had to get there at a very young age. I have a couple of questions to yes. follow up on that. Yes. So um, talk to me a little bit about how Loyola got on your grandmother's radar. Like, just right. how, how did she realize, like, this is where I want Dan to be? And I got another question, but let's start there. Right. So uh, I went to middle school at Cattle Middle Magnet. And in case you haven't realized this, I'm, I'm a bit quirky. I can be a bit eccentric. So I, I didn't do... Uh, well in middle school in regards you know making friends and things like that so I had a choice to go to uh, Bird High School or go to Magna High School Manny was like I don't hmm I don't, I don't think this is gonna be best you know for Daniel to, to put him in that situation again so we had another family in the neighborhood that they also one of the kids had a scholarship to go to Loyola and this uh, family told my grandmother about Loyola and she told them it was a good school and it's well suited for, I guess, somebody like me, a sort of a weird, uh, quirky, eccentric kid like me. Um, and she, she thought it would, you know, put me on the path toward success. And clearly your grandmother was a massive influence and an extraordinary woman. I would imagine you've had some other mentors or had some other important figures at early stages of your life. Can you talk a little bit about some of those mentors or who they were? Or Absolutely. I could be completely incorrect. But no, no, you're right. You're right. When I was uh, in high school, my first job and my best job, my, the job I enjoyed the most, other than being an attorney, of course, was I was a bag boy at Brookshire's Grocery. And I love I Which love Brookshire's? I work at the one on King's Highway. Okay. King's Highway. And the manager uh, that worked there, his name was Mr. Tate. And he was very patient with me. He was very kind with me. When I was younger, 
I had so much anger. I was I was mad at everybody. I was mad at my dad. I was mad at the world. I was mad at this isn't right. You know, look, look what God has placed upon me. This isn't fair. And you know, and he 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 understood that. And it was one point, me and Mr. Tate, I was going off on one of my many temper t uh, tantrums. And after I got done, you know, bouncing up and down, he said, he said, Dan, are you done? I said, you don't understand, Mr. Tate. You know, my dad went there for me, and now it's on it. He said. I understand that, Dad. But if you look, if you go throughout this neighborhood, your story is similar to every other kid in this neighborhood. Guess what? The world doesn't care. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to let this anger, this frustration, send you down the path of doing some bad things or not achieving your goals? Or are you going to accept what God has placed upon you, work through it, and sort of, you know, proceed accordingly. And one other thing I love about Mr. Tate, he was very calm. He was always calm. No matter how busy it got, no matter how crazy things got, no matter uh, whether an employee like me was bouncing up and down a wall, he was always calm. And I needed that because uh, I was, um, so let me, let me uh, go back a bit. You know, my, so I was raised by my grandparents. Uh, my grandfather was a pastor. My grandmother was the first lady. Uh, we lived right next to our church on Milam Street. Church? church of God in Christ. And uh, I joke that we never had an excuse as to not to go to church. We were in church Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, Tuesday evening, Friday evening. And I love that. Um, but one thing about my grandparents, my, my grandfather, him and my grandmother, they fought a lot, and they got violent at times. Um, and you never quite knew when things were gonna sort of escalate. So me and my siblings were always kind of in a state of, I hope things are gonna be good today. So it was chaotic at times inside the home. And I say that not to you know get any uh, sympathy from you or anything like that, but just to sort of you know, tell you my story, my background. So that chaos, even inside the home, I would carry that chaos out into the world. So when I met Mr. Tate, he had to embrace that chaos. He had to deal with the chaos. But instead of meeting chaos with chaos, he met chaos with calm. And it, and it neutralized me. It really helped me. Um, so he was a great uh, mentor uh, growing up. Um, and like I said, my grandmother, she was always very supportive and she always encouraged me. To my next question is not as long as my other two in terms of the question. And it's simply, how do we get more people like you setting aside time to get involved in the community? That's a great question. I think that what's, what's frustrating is that, this is one thing I love about Shreveport. Most people that I've come across in Shreveport, regardless of their background, are good people. They're kind people, right? But they're busy. They're extremely busy. I think that how do we get more people involved in the community? We have to, I guess, do a better job at explaining to people the positive benefits for all of us 
that getting involved, you know, in the community can bring. It, I, I've said this before, but in my opinion, I think all of us have a mandate from God to help other people. Now, we can, you know, debate as to what that proper course looks like, um, but I do think a part of that is getting involved in a community, and Shreveport has a lot of people that are religious, right? Well, when we go to church, the church teaches us to get involved in the community. Jesus was big about getting involved uh, in the community. Every, every faith teaches, you know, getting involved in the community. So number one is the, I'd, I'd argue, is the godly thing to do. Number two, if we don't get involved in the community, if we let things sort of slip through the cracks, eventually we as a society are going to deal with those negative consequences. What do I mean by that? Well, before I joined my current uh, firm, which is Cookie and King and Galloway, I had my own practice and I did mostly criminal defense. And what you realize when you're a criminal defense attorney is a lot of these people that commit crimes, you know, anywhere from minor crimes to more violent crimes, they come from really, really hard backgrounds. They come from broken homes. They come from a homes of poverty. It's not a surprise for me to say that. I think we all know that, right? So if there is a way for us to help those kids, to help those families on the front end, it's gonna save us costs, financial costs, human costs on the back end. Because if you allow a kid to slip through the cracks, and so many kids do slip, uh, slip through the cracks, and if that kid ends up, you know, as they get older, committing crimes, or number one, you have no idea that kid, God may have blessed that kid with the talent to find the cure for cancer, or something like that, or start a great business, right, to really change the world. Well, now that's not gonna happen, right? Number two, once that kid does commit a crime, well, now we're gonna have to lock them up, right? It costs money to lock people up. <laughs> it costs a lot of money to lock people up. So for if a person were to say, well, it's not my problem, I don't gotta deal with it, you're gonna deal with it. Because we, as the taxpayers, we actually pay for that, right? So it'll be cheaper if, if we acknowledge that on the front end, if we take on that responsibility on the front end and don't wait until it's too late because we're going to have to pay anyway. In a society, in a community, it's like a big family. And sometimes one person in the family has to do a little bit more than the other people in the family. Sometimes it's not fair. Oh, God, why me? Why? God has blessed you to do more, so you got to do more. So I think if we do a better job at explaining that to people, I, I, I think we will see more people taking out the time to get involved in a community. It's not because most people don't care, they just can't see the connection. Well, if we explain that connection, then it's gonna be followed up with action. I, I, I fundamentally believe that. So, in addition to practicing law and all your community service, you're also an actor, 
a published author of two fantasy novels, the host of a podcast, and you do voiceover work. You clearly love and understand the importance of telling stories. As you look around the community, what stories do you feel should be given more attention or are not being told enough? That's a great question. I think that the, the stories that are not being told enough is that I think Shreveport needs to do a better job at highlighting the exceptional human beings that we have in Shreveport. Um, there is a terrific actor slash director in Shreveport. Uh, his name is Mark. I, I don't want to mispronounce his last name. His last name is B-O-N-N-E-R. He's a terrific actor slash director. He's done amazing work, uh, you know, throughout Shreveport. Uh, he was able to direct and produce an award-winning uh, film. We highlight, we need to highlight people like him because this is what Shreveport has to offer. I believe in terms of human capital, in terms of human talent, I would put what we have in Shreveport against the people up in New York, against the people in California, people against the people in Texas. But we need to support people like that. We need to highlight people like that. And uh, secondly, we need to bring the cool thing about being a creative person like me is that I get a chance to hang around a lot of creative people. We need to sort of bridge the gap between creative people, people who are actors, people who are writers, people who are artists, and people in the business world, people in the professional world, right? Because we're all on the same team. So if you're a great doctor in Shreveport, if you're a great attorney in Shreveport, a great business person in Shreveport, if you can link up with a great artist, a great writer, a great painter, we can all sort of, you know, push this city forward, push our community forward. So I, I, I'd say that Shreveport needs to do a better job of highlighting the creative people in a, in a community um, and people who actually take out the time to, you know, volunteer in the community to, to help people in the community. Um, Sometimes you kind of have to you have to lead by example. Every time you look on the news, it's crime, 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 and you know it's a lot of negative stories. So people think, well, that's all Shreveport has to. I'm gonna move to Bossier. I'm gonna move to Blanchard. I'm gonna get away. That's 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 only a small aspect of Shreveport, in my opinion. So we need to highlight the good more, and maybe you know don't highlight the the bad as much. Even though I know the bad, I uh, I imagine is probably better for ratings. That's a whole another problem we can <laughs> we can talk about. Um, but highlight the people that are doing good in the community, and highlight the people who are doing exceptional things in the community. In my experience, I don't know if this has been your experience, but for some reason, a guy from Los Angeles or a guy from New York doing something at the same level as a guy from Shreveport is given more value. That's right. Why is that? You think? <laughs> that's right. That's right. I was. Uh, Oh God, it's a good question. I was I was talking to my wife about this. There's a great uh, story in the Bible where Jesus goes to his hometown, right? And he's preaching, and and the people are like, "Ain't this Mary's boy? He's not. What is he doing?" And Jesus basically, I'm going to paraphrase, and I hate to paraphrase Jesus. Don't get upset with me, anybody who's watching this. Be careful, Dan. You're going to misquote the Bible, but. Basically, Jesus said, man, everywhere I go, I get love, but I don't seem to get love from my own town. 
I think for some reason Streetport has a lot of that going on for some reason. I think that's just a lack of unity. That's a lack of community. That's a lack of working together. That's a, it, it, sometime it, it seems to be there's energy where is, well, if he's, if he's shining or she's shining, then that's bad for me. It makes me feel some type of way. It, it shouldn't be like that. Because if one person shine, then we all shine. We all sort of, you know, rise up. We all sort of rise together. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think it goes back to a lack of community. And we know that there are extreme, you know, there's extreme poverty in Shreveport and there's enormous uh, disparity in terms of income. And, you know, there are certain neighborhoods you know not to be in late at night and don't go down there and just, we need to sort of bring bring the city together, bring the community together. I think once we do that, you will see more people start to actually highlight, like you said, a, a tree, somebody who's doing really amazing things in Shreveport, highlight that person, push that person forward, because as this person goes forward, we all go forward. My next question is, what makes you hopeful about the future of Shreveport Bossier? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I think that because I know what Shreveport has to offer. I know we have some amazing people in this area. I know we have many people who love who love Shreveport. I know that I love Shreveport. My friends love Shreveport. We know the problems in Shreveport. And sometimes it frustrates us and sometimes we don't see uh, well, what's the solution? What's the path forward? But but we love it. We're here. And how I think of Shreveport is it's not a perfect city. No place is perfect. But it's similar to our nation, the United States of America. Right, right now, the United States is the wealthiest country in the history of mankind. Think about that. The, health, uh, the, the wealthiest country in the history of mankind. It didn't start like that. It was a country of immigrants and you know, castaways, basically. But they, they came together, they, they worked hard, and over time, we became the United States of America. If you look at any great peoples, any great nation, any great tribe throughout human history, at some point, they started off way, way down here. Right? But eventually, they, they rose. Right? They rose because you had hard-working people that came together and they were able to sort of push forward. So I'm hopeful for the future of Freeport because I've seen examples in history where people, a tribe, a nation, They've pushed forward despite all the obstacles that were thrown their way. Just because you have somebody that's born into a, a tough situation, that does not mean that that person is not able to overcome their obstacles. They are, with support, with encouragement. Um, a person can do it, a city can do it, a town can do it, a nation can do it, a planet can do it. Well, the city of Shreveport can do it, and we will do it. 
I, I, I believe that my heart is not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. People have tried before and failed. They brainstorm all kinds of things. Well, you keep trying. Eventually, we're going we're gonna to get there because we have the talent, we have the work ethic, and we have the heart to get there. And we will. All right, so I'm down to my last question. We may continue speaking after that, but uh, it's a question I've asked a number of different guests. So personally, I feel like I only interact with a very small portion of the community, and I'm always trying to expand my understanding of what the entire community looks and feels like. If I met you one Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and said for the next 12 hours, I want you to show me your Shreveport Bossier. What does our day look like? So is this, what day is this? Is this a Sunday? This is Sunday at 8 a.m. So I'm meeting you, <laughs> I, I, I'm Dan's guest for the next 12 hours. I want to experience your Shreveport Bossier starting at Sunday, at eight, starting on a Sunday at 8 a.m. Okay, so so if it's my Sunday, I'll, I'll just bring you in on a typical Sunday of Dan. First thing you're going to do, you're going to meet my wife. <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, this is my new good friend, and uh, I'm going to you know, show him what it's like to you know, be with Dan for a day. Uh, we're going to go to the gym. We're going to go to Planet Fitness. Um, Where? Which Planet it's, Fitness? Uh, it's the Planet Fitness. Uh, it's near Uri Drive. The Planet Fitness near Uri Drive. One thing you're going to learn about me is that I'm terrible with directions, with instructions in terms of, oh, it's this place. You asked me earlier, Dan, where's your firm located? It's a, I don't know, some building downtown. <laughs> <laughs> so Planet Fitness is somewhere in the one, the, one, the one on Burt Coons across from the hospital? Yes. That one, yes. Okay. See? The, old, good. the yeah. old fitness world. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. Yes, sir. That's one. That one. That one. So, so we're going to do that. Okay. Uh, after we get done uh, working out, uh, we're going to go to church. We're going to go to uh, River Park, uh, which is my church home. Which is where? Oh, God. See? Sorry. <laughs> this guy's done. Is River Park the old Hamels? Is yes, it, that's it. Like the he's old. good, though. <laughs> he asked me questions that he knows I don't know the answer to, but he's going to answer. Like, wait, Dan, is it so-and-so? He's good. Very good. Yes, yes, yes. That's where it's at. Okay. Uh, we're going to go there. Um, after that, we're going to say goodbye to my wife. I'm going to go to the office for a couple of hours. Um you know, go to my uh, law practice. I work a little bit on Sundays. Uh, after that, we're going to uh, come home and just relax the rest of the Sunday evening. Now, if I wanted to show you, you know, a non-typical Sunday with Dan, then we can do that as well. But that's pretty much what. Yeah, let's do like let's me. do a non-typical now. Let show so me so show me like Dan's haunts or right. Dan's Dan's places or where Dan really. It likes to likes to be in Shreveport Bossier. One place I love to be in Shreveport, and my wife loves to be at this place as well, is Clyde Fan. We love to walk in the park of Clyde Fan. We just love that. Um, we go out there and we just tune everything out, and uh, you know we walk, you know, near the lake. Is that a lake or a river down there? River. There you go, river. Yeah. <laughs> See, once again, you guys are getting me. Yeah. We walk down there uh, by the river, and uh, we just we just love that place. We also love to go to the movies. We love to go to the Tinseltown as well, the Tinseltown movie theaters. In terms of eating, uh, me and my wife, or her more than me, love uh, Southern Classic Chicken. If you come to Shreveport, you have to eat Southern Classic Chicken. It's the best chicken you will ever have in your entire life. 
Another awesome thing about Shreveport is Southern made donuts. <laughs> I just I think you guys were uh, you guys were highlighting another place. Drip. Yeah, drip though, which I have to try. But where I come from, Southern made. <laughs> Southern made uh, is it. Um, so yeah, those are uh, some of my uh, places that I love to go in Shreveport. Well, Dan, it's been great having you. I really appreciate um, everything you're doing and look forward to following you as in the years to come. I think you're going to continue making our community much, much better. So thanks for making the time. Thank you so much for having me. And once again, I think it's fantastic what you guys are doing. This is a terrific idea. Thank you. Wonderful.